0: God's prophetic schedule, and so if you'll find how it fits in, Lord willing, this is part one, part two, next time, most likely, the days of Noah on the back of your bulletin is a very sketchy outline, uh, sketchy in a good way, it just has a sketch of what we're going to talk about, I'm not sketchy and just not trustworthy, but there we are, outline for you, and that is on the back of your bulletin today, uh, just a couple of verses, and we will pray and go forward from there, Genesis chapter 6. What a very difficult passage it is. There's been so much you may not agree with what I'm going to say or preach today. I'm going to try to stick with the Bible, though, and then if you want to go a different direction, biblically speaking, that will be your choice to do. I will try to do my very best to stick within the, the framework of God's Word rather than my own Word, and so that will be my choice. That will be my desire today, and so you hang in there with me. A very There are a multiplicity of ideas of what this passage refers to, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, The daughters were born unto them. The context is right before the flood, close to the beginning of, close to the flood time. Two. And that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair Adverbial is beautiful, if you use as an adverb. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. That is the only time 120 years is used. We put that with Noah, that it took 120 years to build the ark. This wasn't even given to Noah necessarily. So Noah didn't start having his two kids until he was 500. The flood starts at 600. So it may have taken him 120 years, but this does not say it took him 120 years to build the ark. And so it just says that God is going to strive with man, be patient with man for only 120 years more. I wonder if he were to tell America how long we have, (laughs) how much longer do we have? I'm thinking not 120 years, maybe 120 days, I hope longer than that. There were giants in the land, in the earth, in those days, and so also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men were of old, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw, now I think that verse 4 plays right into verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy a man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and a beast, and the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Oh, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. First time grace is used in Scripture. That is a nice caveat there, isn't it? Matthew 24, Matthew 24 if you would turn over there, please, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is speaking. Remember, is Jehovah of the Old Testament Jesus of the New? Yes. So he spoke those words in Genesis. He also speaks these words to in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. Matthew 24, 37. He says for us here, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse. But as the days of Noah, a little different spelling, as the days of Noah were, so sh- also the coming of the Son of Man be, this is the end of the tribulation period. That's what this Olivet Discourse talks about here, starting at verse 15. Verse 38, 24, 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, 34. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not, 44. The Son of Man cometh. The Lord is a blessing to the reading of His Word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help me this morning. I so am in need of Your help. Forgive me of sin. Empty me of self. And please fill me with Your Spirit. May Your Word find lodging in our hearts, may we learn together, may we be challenged, as we talked about in Sunday school, to tell others of the good news. They do not have to go to a crisis eternity, there is salvation in Christ. May we be loving others, may we have and listen to their needs. and Lord, give us opportunities, and may we take them by your grace. May we be a people who share you with others, and Lord, I'm going to try to do that, God willing, in the next few moments, and may we learn together today, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Typically, now we—I would try to preach through books, as you will know if you've been here for any length of time. We just finished Job. We finished Gospel of John not too distant past. Wednesday night we're going through the books of the Minor Prophets. Tonight we're going to start the small book of Jude. But now we're we're doing a topical series—the uh, God's prophetic schedule. It will go. I would do not predict how long it will go. Probably want to take a break here, there, and yawn but I want to talk about God's prophetic schedule. I was just reading this yesterday, my wife and I in devotions, this book here, this book, we're reading the book on heaven, Randy Alcorn, and it said so often that even theological texts get to their teaching, the end of their teaching on future events, and don't talk about heaven very much at all. And like one guy had like 738 pages of doctrine, and one page for the Heaven and the new kingdom to come. Listen, we should be anxious to go to heaven. That's what we're. This is just a. This is a passing fancy, if you would. We are on our way to a much better place. It's. It's not going to be the place of doldrums. You talk to people today. They might think we're sitting on a cloud playing a harp. That is now. You may play a harp in the orchestra. I don't know. But sitting on a cloud playing your harp, I don't find that in, in Scripture that we're going to be doing now. Serving the Lord. A resurrected body with a resurrected Christ on a resurrected earth and resurrected our old nature gone? I see that. Now that's, that's. that's, that's it was Huckleberry Finn who was asked, it was, uh, his, Huckleberry Finn was talking to the teacher and he said, do you think Huckleberry Finn will be in heaven? And he goes, oh, she said, by most assuredly he will not be there. Well, oh, good, because I didn't want to be by myself. And so, we will not be by ourselves in heaven. We'll be with other people who know and love the Lord. And so I trust you. This whole series is to get us excited about and tell others about what God has a plan. You want to look at the events happening in our life. Israel's fighting a war on three fronts. Eighty nations have now ramped up the uh, their, their watching of Israel and the persecution of, of Israel has ramped up and 80 different nations are more Jew conscience, if you would. We're living in the latter times. I really believe we're living close to when Christ is going to come back, and we are, we're just on the cusp. It may not be for yet. Yeah, I'm not trying to predict the date. All that to say, this is important. The coming of the day of the Lord, these days of Noah, how they tie in. It says in Matthew, but the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So now, this book of Genesis, if you're back there in chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, there are, if you book an the outline, there are two major divisions, 1 to 11, 12 to 50. 1 to 11 is the historical section, 12 to 50 is the biographical section. I said historical, I didn't say allegorical, parabolical, mythological, revolutionary, literal, historical count in Genesis the first 11 chapters of Genesis are so important to our theology. The kernel form of so many truths. Ask Ken Ham if you doubt me. Uh, or, or, or Henry Morris. We can't ask him now. He's already in heaven. Uh, but are, are the kernel forms of what we believe in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. So Satan can get people to doubt those. He's a long way gone into doubting the rest of the scripture. So you and I must, we're among the few. I trust you're among the few with me that believe that God said what He meant in Genesis one to eleven, and we're going to read it and understand it. So we find it historical, and then uh, the second part is biographical. The first there's four key words you might want to jot those down. There's creation, there's the fall, there's the flood, and then there's the nations: creation, fall, flood, nations in the first eleven chapters. The biographical section starts at 12. There are four main men: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and you can tie those four people in for the rest of Genesis. isn't it, Abraham starts at the end of 11, 12, and we have Jacob, we have Jacob, Isaac, and then we have Jacob goes on the scene. We have Joseph starting in 37 to the end. So it, those four men comprise the entire timeline, if you would, of the biographical section of Genesis: historical, biographical, creation, flood fall, nations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And there you are. The, we have the context of this chapter 6. If you look back in chapter 5, you have the story about this wonderful man named Enoch. Now, it, basically, chapter 5 is a graveyard, except for chapter 5, 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah who's known for being the oldest man we ever that ever lived as far as we know. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and we got sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 65 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God Took him. What's that a picture of? The New Testament, the rapture of the church. Someday God's going to come back. Christ is going to come. Well, let's say, if I say Christ is God, is that a true statement? Amen, it is. God's going to come back. Christ is going to come back in the air for his church, and up we go. That's called the rapture of the church. The events of today we're talking about are the seven years, at least seven years later. At the end of the tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, when Christ comes back to to clean house, to like it's not that word "clean house" is not in the Bible, but that's what it means. He's going to destroy all those who stand against him. The sheep and the goats will be judged, etc., and we'll go into the millennial reign. That's the hour here of talking about in Matthew twenty four and how it ties in with Genesis chapter six. The context. A text without a context is a pretext. Looking for a proof text, so a text without a Context is a pretext, which might become a proof text. What is proof texting? Is you say, I believe that cats are the most wonderful creatures other than man that God ever made. And you'd cite all these things down here and give all these cite, all these sources. And some of them may be right and some of them could be up subject to disapproval. They don't really agree with what you say. Proof texting is, I believe that this happened, and you cite all these texts, but the texts don't really prove what you're trying to say. That's proof texting. Proof texting? So that's before texting even became popular with phones. Proof texting was listing a lot of verses that really don't say what you say they say. Called eisegesis, reading into, we should read out of what God has exegete, exegesis, read out of what the scripture says, not take what you think and read it into what it says. So we have in the beginning, the book of beginnings there in the Septuagint. We call it, that's why we get the our word Genosos, Genosis. We get our word Genesis from there. The Hebrew call it Bereshit. That was in the beginning, that was the word there for the Hebrew Bible. And so we call ours is the book of Genesis. In chapter 5, you have the picture of the rapture in the person of Enoch, the righteous man who walked with God. Something happened when he was, what, is it, what does the Bible say? When he was 65 years old? Lived 65 years and we got Methuselah. Hmm. Methuselah was the grandfather of whom? Noah, the father of Lamech? So Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. We sometimes put this great distance between people and how far they're, they're not that far apart. We've, we've got the whole lineage of Jesus in the New Testament. So we have accounting of, from Adam and Eve, we have an accounting of somebody who lived all the way down through Jesus' birth. There's not millions of years to put in there anywhere. There, there's no space. There just isn't. God has graciously, by His providence and infinite wisdom, told us in the beginning, there's no prehistoric animals. You understand, there's no prehistoric anything. We have history from day one when God formed the waters, etc., and the day one, two, three, four, five and six. There's no prehistoric. Well, Enoch lived, never had to experience a physical death. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Mysterion, 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 how everyone pronounce it in the Greek language. A, a word, coined Greek, we hear our word mystery in that. Now, we talk of a. I used to enjoy watching. We had Channel Three down in McGolfin County, and Columbo came on Channel Three. Remember Columbo, Peter Falk and Columbo? He irritated people to know, I, but he always got his person. It was a, it was a murder mystery. He always found out, and he he was like, he was like, and he cocked his head. And, oh, one one more thing, I got, I got, oh, one more question, just like that, and he and people were like that, and a murder mystery. That's. Jesus and God are not giving us that kind of a murder. mystery in the Old Testament. Something revealed in the New. That's what the mystery was. We see it in Ephesians chapter 3. Hold your fingers there. Just let it go. Ephesians 3, 3, 4, and 5. Ephesians 3, 3, 4, and 5. Ephesians 3, 3. If you want to turn over there or listen. Ephesians 3, 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. The Old Testament, they did not see even lots of times the church age. and and How's this rapture of the church? It's in the Old Testament, but it's hidden hidden in like Enoch and et cetera. Now in the New Testament, Paul clearly says, listen, we're not all going to die. He's going to come back. Michael's going to blow, the archangel's going to blow, et cetera. The archangel, the temple of God, et cetera, going to come back. And we're going to be changed and, and out of here. So uh, hidden in the old, revealed in the new. That is the mystery I think I was listing. I'm approximately 13 mysteries perhaps that general area and revealed in the new, And the twinkling of an eye, eight one hundredths of a second. It's that little... Uh, you can, every once in a while I'll say somebody and my, my wife gets a little gleam in my wife's eye. Like, not the right thing to say. Doesn't he have to, not even a blink. It's like, oh, uh-oh, I, I, just, I head a different direction. That's the idea. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The atom, the, the smallest unit they could figure out at the time, atom. In a moment, a moment of Adam of time, we're going to be changed. That's why I tell you this morning, you need to be ready now. Don't say, well, I'm going to get older. No. If Christ comes back and it's the twinkling of an eye, well, you know, and so you even start bowing to pray to Jesus, the Christians are gone. That's why you need to know now that you're his child. If there's any kind of question, get that settled today his return is imminent how long has the return of christ been imminent well since he gave the promise of his word he could have come back 300 a.d he couldn't go back a thousand a.d now it would have been interesting to see how things would have had to been rearranged possibly or god would have to work here there but if, if he can make the rocks cry out he can arrange the schedule to fit everything as he wants it to fit so as in Matthew says, but as in the days of Noah were, so all shall the coming of the Son of Man be. These days of Noah, again, this is not referring to the rapture of the church. Nothing has to happen, has not ever had to happen since the prophecy was given in New Testament times. But now for him to come back to rule all the way to the earth, to set up his kingdom, there's a lot that has to happen. We have to be evacuated first, one thing. The tribulation has to go on for seven years. The world has to have all this hurt come upon it. And the Jews finally have to say, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah and we want to receive him as a nation as a whole. Not every single Jew, I do not think, but the nation as a whole We receive Christ and He comes back and we come back with Him and He he slaughters those at Armageddon, those who are standing against Him. comes all the way to the earth and His feet land upon the Mount of Olives and they're split in twain. And He comes back to rule for a thousand years and 75 days first, but then a thousand years. That's what we're looking for. That's the the context we find this Genesis chapter 6 and Matthew 24. So please... Don't think this is talking about when he comes back for the church. This is not. This is when he comes back to rule and to reign. We call that the second coming, the rapture of the church, at least seven years later, the second coming. You can refer to your diagrams. We're going Number one, we're going three facets, and only one facet today. We have a three-facet diamond, and we're going to talk about the first facet today. Noah lived in the days of gross apostasy. Noah lived in the days of G R O S S. Apostasy. They Sometimes at Bible school, they make that, uh, I don't know, is it called goo? I don't know what it is, but goop or, and they have that s- slime stuff that they have all over their hands. It just looks like, it just looks gross. It's like, and they enjoy baking things with it and everything. So that's, we think about that as gross, but this, maybe this gross is more of a terrible, just absolutely not what nature would do kind of apostasy. Chapter 6, verse 1 came to pass when men began to multiply upon the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. But the sons of God, Ben Elohim, saw the daughters of men that they were fair, some render it beautiful, and they took them wise of all which they chose. Now, in every instance in the Old Testament, this term, sons of God, actually in the Septuagint, now remember the Septuagint, We should, I think we know that by now, but that is the 250 B.C., Jewish men translated the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek language so the people of the day could read it. It's called the LXX 70 in the Roman numerals, 7 to 70. And they even, when they translated this passage, they called it not sons of, they called it the angels of God. In Greek, it's like hoi angeloi tu theo, it's the angels of God. So the Septuagint, again, recalls it not the sons of God, but the angels of God. Every time this phrase is used in the Old Testament without exception, it refers to angels, to angels. Sons of God, every single instance refers to angels. There are no exceptions. For example, in Job 38.7, when the morning stars sang together and all the Sons of God shouted for joy. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Job chapter 2, verse 1. We know about that because we've covered Job when the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord. And remember, God said, Have you considered my servant Job? We talked about that last few months. Satan, along with the sons of God, I can explain to you how they're able to have access to God as fallen creatures, but somehow they do. Remember, it's not until the mid-tribulation period that Satan and his minions are cast out of heaven to the earth. You remember that scripture there? It's clearly going to happen in the middle tribulation period, and that's when he goes into the temple and offers a, a, a sacrifice there. The Antichrist is killed, and I believe raised by God, and then inhabited by Satan, etc. Why would I say that? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh. And so... To give Satan the power of life, I'm not going to do that. But God had a purpose, and so Satan indwells the Antichrist, and he rules for three and a half more years. The most terrible time, I believe, in the history of mankind. So much persecution. So we find here that these sons of God. Matter of fact, in Daniel chapter three twenty five, you remember the story of the three Hebrew children. Daniel chapter three, Daniel. If you want to pronounce it more of an uh, uh, Hebraic or an Israelite pronunciation, El, because El is God. Daniel three twenty five. Nebuchadnezzar is so angry because they wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow. And God says they're not going to burn either. But but here we go. And he throws them to the fire because he wouldn't bow the statue. And and, and Nebuchadnezzar looks inside the little porthole there. In verse 24, he was astonished, and rose up in haste and spake unto his counselors. 3.24. Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Now, why would I be nervous? Because if you're standing before Nebuchadnezzar, who has the life and death capabilities at any moment in time, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he answered and said, Lo, I see how many four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Elohim. Could even be plural, sons of God. I think personally that was a Christophany. Christophany, what is that? Christ, you have a theophany, God appearing in the Old Testament time. Christophany, Christ appearing, the the angel of the Lord. We we don't find Christophanies in the New Testament because why? He came as a babe in a manger. There was no longer a pre-incarnate. Before he was incarnated, became a human being, pre-incarnate. In the Old Testament, he would appear to people. Matter of fact, he even walked. Did he not walk with Abraham in chapter 18? He did? Yes. He would appear different times up to Manoah's wife. We don't even know her name. Manoah's wife, etc. Samson's going come on. So he chose, and here I think he chose to be in the furnace. Mr. Womack even mentioned in Sunday school about the Lord bore the fire for us and stayed on the cross that we might have redemption. He bore the fire, he paid the fire, he paid the price for us. He's in the fire with this. Could God have easily allowed the three men to perish and still been God? Yes. If we perish, we perish. If we don't, we don't. But I just want you to know we're not bowing. It may come to America. Where if, you don't, if you don't kowtow to this ideology, or if you don't stop doing this, then we're, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose this, and you're going to keep losing things. And if you don't do that, we might just put you in jail. We are talking today with my coworker, and he said, Yeah, if they find out that I've got all these guns, they're going to come to my house and I'm going to say, well, what about Mr. Wright? I know he's got this, this, and this gun. He's been in jail for three months already because we got him on something else, preaching from the Bible, of all things. He's already been in jail, so it's your turn now, Tom. So come on, (laughs) let's go. We have, to, we have to stand for what is right. This is the angel of God. So this is the Beni Elohim, perhaps bar Elohim, a little bit different. But the, every time this word sequence of words appears, it always appears as angels, the angel of God, sons of God as angels. Now, interesting, The New Testament, who is called, who are called the sons of God? Romans chapter. I'm glad you asked. No one asked, Pastor. We're going to, let's look at it anyway, if you don't mind. Romans eight fourteen. Don't you? I don't you. There's nothing greater than loving learning about God's word. I, I trust you come to that point. If you've not come to that point, you need to read the Bible more and get as Mister. Romans said, get you some study helps. But Bible comes first. But help you to understand what the Bible's teaching. I did it last night. I spent two hours, extra hours, studying for something last night because it's like, how, how does that work? Permissive will of God, perfect will of God, and Balaam. I'll just leave it at that. How did that all work together? 8.14. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, who is that? Christians. They are the sons of God. Ah, so we are. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So the Bible only uses the term sons of God for direct and immediate creation of God Almighty. Direct and immediate creation of God Almighty. So sons of God, we have the angels, we have Christians when we were saved, and we have one more individual, genealogies, Adam. In Luke 3, 38, look what it says of Adam, Luke three thirty-eight, Or you can just listen. Can trust me on this, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So we have Adam, we have Christians, and we have the sons of God. So those are the three direct, immediate creations by God. And so this sons of God, If you go, let's go all the way back now to Genesis chapter 6. The sons of God here clearly, more says, uniform interpretation of the ancient Jews who translated the phrase angels of God. That's what, so the, for the first 1500 years in Genesis chapter 6, when it says the sons of God saw the daughters of men, it refers to, in their belief, angels. Angels. I think it's quite significant because if you talk about the church, you've heard the term sometimes the church fathers. Church fathers are those who lived close to the time of the apostles, Irenaeus, etc. church fathers, and it goes on. So for 1,500 years from the apostles all the way up to 15, that was the universal, singular understanding of this term, sons of God. Why, pastor, are you spending so much time on this? Because this is one of the most controversial passages in all of Scripture. Well, people are going to say, well, what does that mean? They may not ask you this week. They might not ask you this year. But I'm telling you, if you get into Bible conversations, well, Genesis chapter 6, what was that? Sons of God, what was that? I was even doing the Bible study, and a gentleman who was doing a puzzle really has an unusual interpretation of this very passage, and so I tried to cut it off conversations as quick as possible. So we find here that the sons of God are, I believe, angelic beings. But now, if you've listened to any messages, there's another Prominent interpretation among independent Baptists. Well, Pastor, I heard that the God, this is the godly line of Seth intermarrying with the ungodly line of Cain. So that's the view here. It's, it's a, the idea of a mixed marriage. And so some would hold that position, possibly. But why would we, what we, you need to, why would, Pastor, why do you say that it's not that position? And there's three reasons. You might want to jot these down somewhere. First of all, it does not say the sons of men saw the daughters of men that they were fair or beautiful. What does the Bible say? That, verse 2, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. It doesn't say the sons of men saw the daughters of men. If Jesus, if God wanted to be specific, He could say the godly line of Seth saw the ungodly line of Cain and they intermarried. That's what would be one interpretation of that, but it doesn't say that. What it says was the son of God saw the daughters of men. The contrast is not made between the descendants of Seth, and I can't believe that everybody, think with me now, if Seth was such a godly line, why are there only eight on the ark? If Seth's line are all godly people who are following God, why were only eight on the ark? Why wasn't there a huge church building somewhere? Well, we're all getting on the ark with it. No, because we've all found grace. In the... Why wasn't there that? If if, if you want to say this is the sons of God, we the Line of Seth that they're all right with God. And who's to say that some of the, the daughters of Cain might not have gotten right with God? You see, so you're going to run in that first. Uh, 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 so just think it through with me here. To say the sons of God, the Bene Elohim, are sons of Seth because Seth God the heritage, it would sound strange because then you're concluding that the daughters of Cain and not the sons of Cain were involved in the intermarriage. I'm telling you, if the daughters of Cain. There's going to be some sons of Cain. See some pretty girls over here on the line of Seth, and they're going to get married too. And there's going to be the intermixing of marriage, and that's it doesn't fit for me the text. Now, if you believe that, that's, that's your, you can do that if you want if you believe that's what it is. But for me, it doesn't fit the text. You're trying to you're trying to read out you are. We are to read out what it says, not read into it. Oh man, I, I got to fit this in here somehow. I got to find the place where it says cats are wonderful and cats are great and cats are man's best friend. Oh, that's already taken. Uh, we got we got to do that. So I got to fit it somewhere into my story. That doesn't fit anywhere, by the way. But I got to fit it somewhere. That's I said, Jesus. Well, I, I got to believe it's these two things have got to work. So we're gonna take we're gonna take this lens and I'm gonna plop it in here. You can get a theological lens to where if you are, just for example, not trying to be unkind, if you are an extreme Calvinist, you will look at the lens of Scripture, well, I believe these things, and I've got to interpret what the Bible says in light of what I know is true from having read people's books about this. So how does this, instead of, what does the Bible say? For God so loved the world, for whosoever shall call. You can neglect you, you can you can spurn God's call upon you. And you have a you have a will to decide yes or no. I do not believe that God determined from eternity past that there are people who have absolutely no chance at all to ever receive Christ as Savior. And that God chose them to do that, and they can and they have no recourse. I don't believe, I believe that. For whosoever shall call upon me, Lord, shall be saved. So have you called? I trust that you have. So that is the first thing we find. There's that first, and I see, oh my goodness, my time is already gone. Secondly, uh, one cannot ignore the truth that the marriage between two groups produced a race of giants. we to stop here. So it's significant back in chapter 6, verse 4. And there were giants, that's the word Nephilim, which, by the way, is a very popular word even today, Nephilim, giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. If you say today, well, that sounds like Armageddon, immediately, people, what do people think? That's the end of the world. A Armageddon-like movie. Oh, that's that's the end of times movie. It had made nothing to do with the Valley of Megiddo. Mount of Megiddo, Valley of, Mount of, Megiddo, Valley of Ezrealon. I may not have nothing to do with that, but they understand that. So when you say Nephilim, oh, well, we know what those were. Those were giants. So what I'm saying, these giants before the flood have become a picture of a tool to use for, oh, Nephilim, oh, those were giants in the land every time. When you say Armageddon, oh, end of the world. Nephilim. There were giants in the land. So the result of the union of either these demonic spirits or demonic controlled men with women were giants in the land. Is that possible why later on is it verse 13 says over here 12, I'm sorry. Eleven six eleven And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And the Lord looked upon the earth, and behold it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It really makes really makes logical sense that you have these beings who were outside the normal, we'll find out next time, outside the normal, and there was such an evil world that God says, you know what, it's, it's, you're beyond hope. If you go to Niagara Falls, which I trust you've been, if you've not been there, it's a wonderful place to go, but there's a place on the river, if you're on the Canadian side, and there's a sign, I've not seen it for myself, but I understand, there's a restaurant, and you can look out, and it says, no hope beyond this point. If you fall in the river at that sign, you're going over the falls. I mean, there's no way you're not. I mean, beyond this point, there's no coming back. If you fall in here, you're going over. I think that is the world that we talk about here in Genesis 6. It was so ungodly and so violent, there's no coming back. And God said, the only recourse is to what? To destroy it. Before I pray, positive. I found this quote, it's short. But how often do we think about things we just really don't need to or we don't have our priorities right? Jonathan Edwards, a Puritan preacher, said these words about heaven. He said, quoting, It becomes us to spend this life only as a journey toward heaven, to which we should subordinate all other concerns of life. Why should we labor for or set our hearts on anything else but that which is our proper end and true happiness? Why are you so busy about things that don't matter for eternity? I'm not saying, we do have to, we have to work. <laughs> Mr. Derek and I were talking about how many hours I have to work or don't have to work per day. I get paid lunch every day. We're, t- we're talking about, we have to do those kind of things. But what is it you're really concentrating on? Is it the future? Is it eternity in heaven? Or are you so encumbered with these things? You, you don't study the Bible, you don't read His, his Word. Listen, we need to be about the important things, and important things are God's things. Let's pray. Thank you for your patience today. Lord, we just, as we finish up this morning, it is a world gone awry. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, they think everything's going to be fine, they're going to eat and drink and be merry, and giving him marriage and all those things, and they don't realize that you're coming back to change everything, and they're going to a crisis eternity. So was it was in the days of Noah, only eight went into the ark. Lord, we just we're in a world we know this exact time frame is a little bit later yet to come. But your return for your church could happen today. Lord, help us to be about your business. And if there even be one person on the sound of my voice this morning that is not sure of their relationship with you, Lord, please help them today to come forward or to seek me out, seek someone out to how to share the gospel with them, how they can know that they know that you're they're your child. So, Lord, work in our hearts, please. If there's a need, may we not put it off. May we respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.